And the assumption that I've made, and this is only a working hypothesis because I haven't been able to prove it yet, but it's that the body mammalian tissue recognizes that type of induced electric field as a signal for growth and development. And therefore, when you apply those fields, whether they're endogenous from the body or whether they're exogenous applied by a magnetic pulse, either way, the body sees the same induced electric fields and responds to them with growth and development, which means not inflammatory response. So it'll tend to dial down an inflammatory response. It will dial up a developmental growth response. Do you want to know what it is? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body Mind Department Podcast. I'm your host, Seam Lund, and our guest today is Bob Dennis. Bob has a PhD in biomedical engineering. He's one of the first people to use pulsed electromagnetic frequencies or PEMF therapy in NASA. Bob is working with Flux Health, which is a PEMF company that brings unbiased and scientifically backed information about the benefits of PEMF therapy. They have convenient and affordable micropulse PEMF devices. PEMF can reduce pain, lower inflammation, and trigger healing in the body. You can get 10% off all their PMF devices with the code SEAMLUND at fluxhealth.co. That's SEAMLUND at fluxhealth.co. Bob, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm really uh, excited and interested to, to talk with you because you have a, like a very uh, like fascinating background as a scientist and your work at NASA. So the, how did you get that job? <laughs> or how, how do people usually get, get themselves involved with something like that? Well, actually, I um, I wasn't looking for that. I was um, I had just finished my PhD in uh, 1993, and I got a, a phone call from a friend of mine who had a friend at NASA who was doing some research that he was that he was working on and needed some help. So I talked to him, and um, they ended up hiring me as a consultant for NASA. I didn't work for NASA directly. I was hired as a consultant for a laboratory that was run by one of their um, astronauts, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Wolf, actually. And he was on, uh, he was training for and then headed to the Mir space station. And he was also training for doing research on the space shuttle. And they wanted to try to, they were having difficulty growing cells in space. It's difficult to grow cells in zero G sometimes. It's difficult to grow cells, you know, real cells at all. Uh, primary cells are difficult to grow. So they were asking me if I could do something with uh, pulsed electromagnetic fields, which I didn't actually know anything about. I had done electrical physiology of muscle and instrumentation development. And I told them, I, I so let me look at the literature and see how what the scientific literature says. And I thought the literature was pretty poor quality. And this would have been in about 1994 or so. 1995. And I, I said, you know, I really think you guys are wasting your time. I think this is pretty bad scientific literature. And they said, well, no, no, they'd like to prove it. And they'd like to see if there is anything of value in the scientific literature. Uh, so they hired me as a, as a external paid consultant uh, for which I'm still paid royalties. I was still paid yesterday actually by, by NASA royalties. Mm. It's, uh, you get paid by the treasury department, not by mm. NASA, but um, so this work has really been, you know, it's done and it's, uh, it's uh, you know, 
a matter of public record. It's something anybody could verify. But uh, <clears throat> at the time, what I did was I offered to do for them was review the literature. And I looked at what ended up being about 660 papers uh, that were directly and indirectly related to PEMF. And this was in the mid-1990s. And I determined that uh, I thought the literature quality, scientific quality, was actually quite low. And there was uh, some, nonetheless, there was some indication that there might be something happening, but it was uh, so poorly done. Um, like people would make suggestions that something really wonderful could be done, and then they wouldn't do any further research. It was as if they would start doing research and then just stop for no reason. And this was dozens of researchers all around the world, you know, uh, in Eastern Europe as well and different places. So I actually surveyed the entire literature and I, and I came up with an experimental plan and, uh, you know, they asked me to design and build the scientific instruments for them. And that launched my career in PEMF. I was, I was a pretty strong skeptic, hmm. but at the time what I did was more or less insist that if we were going to spend the time doing this, that we actually do very good, careful, repeatable scientific controlled studies to see if we really had anything rather than just, uh, chasing after whatever exciting data appeared to happen because very often medical research is clouded by people getting exciting data that they don't replicate. And then a lot of time and money is wasted. So we, we actually did some pretty good careful research at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I was, I visited NASA and, you know, a few times physically I was there, but I was really an external consultant and it all happened kind of, uh, believe it or not, accidentally. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating in a way that you stumbled across you stumbled across this uh, kind of new thing, and uh, right. like on on uh, on on uh, studied thing. And uh, well, I think the I think the important takeaway message from this is that I may be the only person who's really active working in PEMF who's trying very strongly to scientifically test test it and and even disprove it if it's not really real. I think everyone else currently involved in PEMF. Is, is involved principally out of their commercial interest in it. So mm. they're trying to prove that it works. Right. And I'm simply trying to determine whether or not it works. And I'm quite skeptical about it still, even after all of these, all these years and all this data that we've collected, it's very positive. I still maintain a pretty skeptical scientific attitude. Mm. So what is PEMF and uh, how does it work? Well, it's, um, that's, that's the magical question. Um, we understand... If, if you divide it into three parts, okay, we understand two of those three parts really pretty reasonably well. Okay, the first part, PEMF is pulsed electromagnetic fields. It was called TVEMF when I did the work in NASA, time-varying electromagnetic fields. So if you can imagine a pulse of, of basically just a magnetic pulse, and when it pulses, it causes electric fields to be, to be induced. Um, the first part of that is, is very, very well understood, and it has been since about 1864 or so. So the, the first electrical part of it, the physics of the electronic sort of third of it is very well understood. <clears throat> Even though most PEMF marketers now, they market things that are just aren't real and they just aren't practical, like whole body PEMF and things like that, which is just really fraudulent. Uh, but we understand it well enough to know you know, that, that part of it. Um, so that's the front end of it. And then on the back end of it, does it have a biological effect? And there are 
something on the order of one or 2,000 papers where people have done studies. You know, does it affect wound healing rate? Does it affect inflammation? Does it affect this? Does it affect that? And many, many people from many different laboratories have run these studies. And the thing, when you look at all of the work published about PEMF, which I've done, I've, I've looked at it in some detail, what you discover is that it's something that's been replicated hundreds or thousands of times by hundreds of different people uh, all over the world. And it seems to work. It seems to have positive biological effects. It doesn't require a very specific magical frequency or Gauss level. It's, it's like a general effect. As long as you're generally in the right area, you get these pretty massive biological benefits. Um, but we don't know why. So the middle part of PEMF, how, do, how is it that the electromagnetism induces these benefits biologically. What's the biophysics of that? That's completely unknown. We, right. we, we, we can calculate, you can calculate that the pulse of, of magnetism must cause an electric field. And we do know biologically that electric fields have an effect on cells. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, we really don't know. Right. And anybody who tells you otherwise is um, uh, lying to you. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it nicely, but that's what right. they're doing. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, I think intuitively it does make sense that uh, magnetism does have an effect on the body. Like if, if anyone ever has, you know, touched the socket with their fingers or whatever else, you know, they do feel Electromagnetism like, has biological effects and some yeah. of them are very well known. Like sunlight is a form of electromagnetism, yeah, exactly. you know, and, 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 and radiated heat is infrared radiation. I mean, you know, uh, your nerves and your muscles work with, you know, electromagnetic pulses. So life as we know it requires electromagnetism. Some forms are harmful, like ionizing radiation. Some are, are helpful, like warmth, and some are, some are essential for light life you know and 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 it's very 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 complex it's it's probably electromagnetism as a field is probably far more complex than all of chemistry hmm. um and hmm. we really don't understand how it interacts with life to be honest with you yeah uh, how does how does pmf differ from like emf and um, ionizing radiation and those well ionizing radiation is sort of like uh, an area on the electromagnetic spectrum where the energy is so high that it can actually cause electrons to be blasted off of the you know molecules that the electrons associated with and can ionize elements and molecules right an atom can be ionized because it's had its electro electron stripped off because of a high level of energy and that's what ionizing radiation is and that's generally speaking that's considered harmful and that sort of starts around you know way up there um in the sort of ultraviolet range and gamma radiation things like that x-rays are ionizing radiation so um we don't uh Generally speaking, we don't think of those as being very uh, beneficial for life, but uh, you know sometimes they're useful. And um, there are lower energy forms of you know electromagnetic radiation that are also harmful. Um, if you you know it, it's a it's a very very complex um, field, and you can't really just say that a certain form of electromagnetism is completely harmful or completely harmless. Um, it depends on its uh, how much of it you get, its intensity, its you know the total dosage duration, you know that kind of thing. 
So, um, you know, electromagnetism is, uh, by my calculation, electromagnetism as a field is approximately 200 million times more complex than all of known chemistry. <laughs> so if you try to ask a simple question about chemistry, right. you know, then the equivalent question would be about 200 million times more complex as it relates to electromagnetism in general. Mm -hmm. How does it, how does it like originate or, you know, how does it come into existence in the first place? How does, how does what originate? I'm sorry. Like elect electromagnetism. Well, we, um, that's, you know, it's a electromagnetism is a fundamental force of nature. It's fundamental like gravity or the strong or the weak nuclear forces. It's a fundamental physical force. And um, it seems to have originated at, if you, if you are an adherent of, you know, mainstream science, which there's a lot of evidence to support it, it seems to have, have originated some point shortly after the Big Bang when um, energy started to condense into, you know, physical matter. And one of the things that's left over when that happens is oh, there, there, you know, you start to get these basic fundamental forces of nature, electromagnetism and gravity and strong and weak nuclear forces. And, you know, this, this subject is far, far, far more complicated than, than um, typical PEMF marketers know about. I mean, you know, it's, they, they say pseudoscientific terms and they use, they use scientific terminology, but they don't really know what they're talking about, generally speaking. Uh, but they're just trying to sell you things. But this, this, it's a real phys fundamental physical force that we don't really understand how it interacts with life. Hmm. We just don't know. Yeah. Um, there's things that we do know. We know about like voltage activated, you know, voltage gated channels. And we do, do know some things about what cells can sense. But there's a lot of areas that relate to electromagnetism that, that we just have not really thoroughly studied. Hmm. And, uh, you know, what, what, are, what are some of the sources of electromagnetism, uh, you know? Well, okay, so like the basic the idea or... is <laughs> electromagnetism is, you know, uh, it, you know, this is all really complicated physics stuff. We don't, you can ask questions about it and then really you come to the answer that, well, we don't really necessarily really know what magnetism is. We can define it and we can define things by convention. And we can, we can say that, you know, a, a moving charge, you know, um, will cause a magnetic field and that a change in a magnetic field will induce an electric field. And we can say these things, we can measure these things, we can put names on these things. But if you really want to dig down to a fundamental level, you end up doing a lot of mathematics that maybe a few dozen people on earth know enough to do. And you really find out that we don't really know fundamentally what these things are, hmm. you know, but we, we have conventions and we say things like, well, okay, if we, if we do this chemical reaction, we can, we can make electrons run down a, a wire, you know, we can make a battery, we can make electrons, we think, make electrons run through a wire. And when you run electrons through a wire, it generates a magnetic field. And we can do experiments and have done experiments ever 
since you know i mean galvani luigi galvani we can we can we can we can start to say you know the animal magnetism and all the different types of magnetisms i mean there's really one kind of magnetism and there's you know it's 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 throughout history we've been sorting these things out trying to figure out i mean there used to be natural magnetism and animal magnetism and all these sorts of things and, and galvani was really the first one to start putting these things together saying well you know the natural magnetism of clouds moving overhead really is the same physical thing as what we were calling animal magnetism which is thought to be a different thing that made like arms and legs twitch things like that but the thing is that like at a really fundamental level we don't necessarily understand what these things are but that's not necessarily bad i mean we don't fundamentally understand what consciousness is yeah and yet all of us are familiar with it and as you say you know we don't fundamentally understand fundamentally what electronics well electric electricity is and yet most of us have experienced an electric shock so we know it's real and we know it's there, right? So what happens is you'll, you'll get um, people who act as if they know these things. They, they speak with confidence. They speak with the confidence of like a used car salesman, you know, <laughs> and they'll tell you these, these stories about things, um, you know, confidently saying, well, we understand that it, you know, energizes mitochondria and it does these things. We, we don't know such thing. You know, we, we really don't. Uh, but we do know that there are um, effects of pulsed magnetic fields on cells in the immune system. And, you know, healing rate does definitely seem to be increased by a factor of two or three. And inflammation, inflammation is a big, complicated field that, you know, we just use one, we just use one word to describe it. It's like saying the word weather, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, what's the weather? Well, I mean, you know, meteorology is a big, complicated field. You can't describe it with one word, you know. Yeah. Um, and weather, why are you talking about the weather today? Or are you talking about the climate, you know, over averaged over a period of 100 years? So, so there's a lot to the science of virtually everything that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And yet we can say pretty confidently, you know, well, if you apply magnetic pulses, not really knowing what magnetism is, but if you apply it, you know, we, we can measure, we, you know, we, we understand it well enough to make, you know, cell phones and computers and hard drives and things, they work. Things, you know, like today, we're going to shoot two people out into space, to the space station at two o'clock here Eastern time mm -hmm. on the Falcon 9. And that thing works because we have a pretty decent understanding of magnetism and electricity. Even if we don't understand it at a fundamental level, we understand it well enough to make spaceships and cell phones and everything, right? Yeah. So we, we use this and then we say, well, if you apply it a certain way, does it have a biological effect? And the answer seems to be surprising to me. I was, I'm more surprised than anybody by this. I shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm by nature, I'm a skeptical scientist. The answer is yes. Yeah. It seems so, to have almost entirely beneficial effects if you apply PEMF the right way. And we don't know why. Yeah. It's like, uh, whenever you hear someone saying like some sort of a definite answer or um, some statement that you know this this is this so this is this is that this is how it works uh, or you like um, you like the black and white answers then uh, you can be kind of sure that most of the time i would say it's, it's yeah, not, it's not true with. because like the confidence aspect kind of tricks people into thinking that it's true but in reality uh, like the true scientists know that it's very context dependent and it's never like black and white it's very vague almost and a very very yeah like uh you know changes changes on the situation 
we can be sure about certain things. I mean, we've measured them and tested them and measured them and some things we've looked at millions and millions of times, millions of experiments, and we keep getting the same answer about things. And I don't want to get into any controversial discussions off topic, but there are a lot of things we are pretty sure we're right, even if we don't understand fundamental things like mm -hmm. consciousness or the fundamental relationship of, you know, gravity to the other forces of, of nature. These things we don't understand. We don't understand dark energy. We don't understand dark matter. Anybody who sells you a product using dark energy or dark matter, 100% that's fraudulent because that's not understood well enough that we can do anything with it. It's called dark energy and dark matter because dark means not understood. Mm-hmm. The only way to detect dark matter that we know of right now is to look at the movements of galaxies. That's mm -hmm. our only way. So anybody who tries to sell you a product based on this, and they'll, they'll be, like you say, very confident, and they'll use pseudoscientific terms. But, but the, this, is, this is fraud. And, and, and you see a lot of this. Um, and it, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of the fault of mainstream medicine. You know, they've had many decades of, and great deals of funding to uh, come up with adequate treatments and cures for things, but they um, they don't really um, you know they haven't really produced in a lot of areas and some very very big important areas like chronic pain. You know the mainstream solution has brought us the opioid epidemic. Yeah, it's not a solution. It's a, it's a yet another problem. So people are looking for something, and everybody would like to have the scientific you know assurance that it's well understood. Um, but the fact is it's not, that's just the fact. And, and so you, you end up with a lot of charlatans. You end up with a lot of people of low integrity who are willing to make confident statements scientifically. And, uh, you know, they may even believe them themselves. They, they say them so, so many times to themselves, they believe them. But the reality is that they just really don't know. We really don't understand dark energy, dark matter. Um, you know, very few quantum effects in biology are understood, but people, people sell that stuff all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing is that look in the scientific literature, it's really poorly understood. Right. And the same thing with pulsed electromagnetic fields. It's, it's, that's much better understood than, than the other effects. And yet uh, we still don't have an, an understanding of the biophysical effect. So, you know, I'm not saying there aren't effects from these things. They're, they're, almost certainly are. In fact, life may depend entirely on dark matter. Hmm. It may be because of the way that it sculpts the universe. It may be that, that, that life depends entirely on the physics of dark matter. And yet we don't know why we certainly can't build products that are based on, on that kind of physics, but nonetheless, people will try to sell it to you. Right. If, and if you're willing to pay for it, they'll be happy to take your money. Yeah. So, so what are some of the kind of benefits, uh, proven benefits of uh, BMF? And uh, maybe like, like what are some of the misconceptions or myths and uh, what, what haven't been proven to work? Well, so I'd say some of the proven benefits of PEMF, there's, there seems to be many. That's what's remarkable about it. And this is what, what really raises my scientific skeptical hackles quite a lot, is that um, you, uh, you see a benefit almost every time you use PEMF. And you sh that shouldn't be the case. Nothing should work as well as it seems to work. And PEMF seems to be beneficial in, and you can read pretty, pretty, pretty decent uh, reviews of this. Like, like uh, Dr. William Pollock wrote a book called uh, PEMF Power Tools for Health. Um, 
And he, he talks about like, you know, 45, I think are so different classes of disease where one of them might be cancer. And one of them might be, I don't know, uh, metabolic disease or whatever, but 45 different large classes of disease getting benefits from, uh, from PMF. And um, you can see a benefit in, 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 in some very broad areas. Like, for example, it seems to reduce a pathological form of inflammation that doesn't seem to be reduced well by any medicines that we have, like aspirin. I mean, otherwise aspirin would just cure everything, but it doesn't. Hmm. So there's, there's different kinds of inflammation and there's, there's these pathological forms of inflammation that, ste- that seem to slow down the body's ability to heal, seems to be at the root of some forms of chronic pain. And it also seems to be at the heart of about, there's about 350 diseases that are associated with aging. And at least 200 of those are directly linked to some kind of pathologic inflammation. Hmm. So uh, it turns out that PMF seems to attenuate or reduce this kind of inflammation. And, and so what happens is you have, <clears throat> pardon me, you have PMF with broad benefits <clears throat> over a wide range of completely ostensibly unrelated conditions. Like why should PEMF accelerate skin wound healing, but also reduce chronic pain, but also reduce urinary incontinence, but also reduce problems with peripheral nerve dysfunction and accelerate bone healing? Why should it do all those things? That just doesn't sound right. <laughs> but the one thread that seems to link all of those is a pathological inflammatory condition that's chronic. Yeah. And is not treatable by other means. So if you reduce that one thing, that underlying chronic patho- you know, pathologic inflammation, then you get a um, broad benefit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that seems to be what is going on with, with PEMF. And a lot of people are trying to ascribe it to other things that they either can't measure or haven't measured, you know, <clears throat> and it, uh, I don't see a lot of, you know, people think, well, they'll sell it. They'll sell it a lot better if they can say it's doing a specific thing. But one thing it does seem to do that's testable. I have I have independent laboratory test results. It has an effect on the reduction, a very significant effect, reducing inflammation. It just does. And if you apply PEMF the correct way, <clears throat> it requires very little energy, less than one watt, and it works every single time you try it. You know, so, so if, if inflammation is implicated in all of these uh, conditions, then PMF may be in a position to be beneficial. Yeah. Like inflammation is one of those, one of the biggest uh, kind of contributors to these modern diseases and uh, aging yeah. itself. So uh, like in a way you can look at inflammation as just an imb- huge imbalance in, in the body and uh, the body always functions best when it is in homeostasis or like in this um, equilibrium state where uh, it, it kind of knows how to self-regulate its processes uh, automatically. And well, I agree with you. Yeah, that's, that's correct. I would say that PEMF doesn't force anything to happen so much in terms of healing, but what it does is it, it's permissive. It allows it to happen naturally. Yeah. So bring, if you reduce the, the inflammation, what's that? brings the body back into balance. Like yes, exactly. Precisely. And that's the way I view it. It's not that it's forcing healing to occur. What it's doing is it's removing an inflammatory state that would otherwise inhibit normal healing. 
And yeah. so when you use PEMF, you actually don't get accelerated healing. What you get is normal healing, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. because it's back in a, in a state of, 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 you know, inflammatory inflammatory bias or, or, or balance where the, where the inflammation is no longer dominating. And so what's interesting about PEMF, as far as I know, it's the only uh, intervention that works this way. The older you are and the sicker you are and the more trouble you have, the better it works right. because it's bringing you back to a balanced state. Yeah. So it's almost How like, it does that, we don't. It's almost like grounding. Like uh, we, we, we also know that the Earth has its magnetic frequency, and uh, if you are connected directly to the Earth, like you know, on your bare feet, then you kind of, then your body will uh, lower its inflammation as well as a result of that. Like, well, um, that's another great example. I mean, you know, grounding is one of those things where, um, yeah, there does seem to be a reduction in inflammation, and I don't know why that is, but there's something that that seems to be working. You know, so, so I do some grounding myself and it seems to be effective for some people. <clears throat> it's, you know, more effective than for others, but it, it seems to be one of those things and, and why it works, you know, I think is still scientifically, it's an open question. Hmm. Yeah. So like something to do with like the protons being built up if you're disconnected from the earth and, uh, it being, might be. being, con being connected to the earth, uh, you know, you're exposed to the negative ions that uh, it, it, it might down. not, it might be unrelated entirely to frequencies. It might be a completely uh, static electrical effect, just simply having a, maintaining a big charge, right? For example, right. protons, electrons, or it might be related to something else. Um, but it's clearly some, some kind of electrical effect. And it's, uh, it's, it, you know, in some people, in some conditions, quite profound. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think the honest thing to do is to say, you know, you know, this is what we know about it. This is what we don't know, but that's not what salesmen tend to do. They tend to, they tend to try to sell things on the basis of supposed knowledge. Right. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of things like that. Like, you know, there are many medications, you know, you read the medical facts, there are many medications that are effective, but in, in reality, we don't necessarily know why that is especially a lot of natural medications that are effective. And so people try to assign some kind of scientific uh, credibility to them, but very often we, we just don't know. And that's really the case with PEMF is that that middle part of it, how the electromagnetism, which we understand very well, <clears throat> is converted into a biological effect, how it's, it's got, the word for it is transduced, how it's transduced biophysically is unknown, but it's not, Essential. It would be very nice to know that because that would make that would let us build better PMF systems. Mm -hmm. But um, but the fact is, we don't need to understand that. We just we need to understand, you know, under what conditions is it safe and effective, mm -hmm. and that's what we really need to know. Yeah. Does does the body itself have uh, I don't know some 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 form of creating this sort of same magnetism, um, or is it only? Uh, experienced if you are using some sort of a device or if you're like, I don't know, grounded or something like that? Well, it, it, that's another good question. I've often wondered that myself. Like, for example, what's happening? Is it directly the body detecting magnetism? And it may not be, actually. It may be that the body's detecting what's called the induced electrical field. So when you change a magnetic field quickly, it will induce an electrical field. And we know that biology responds to electrical fields. We just know that. That's just, that's just known. There's many, many thousands of experiments that have demonstrated that over and over again. And so then the question is, 
is the magnet is the magnetic pulse inducing an electric field that is then interpreted by the body as something that's natural to the body, something endogenous, and then the body responds to it. And that's that's a question I often ask. And it may be that we're we're inducing an electrical field that the body understands. And this is one thing that I've talked to Joe Mercola about quite a bit because you know he was telling me that he he felt that the one of the systems he was using was very effective and he wanted to understand why 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 would it be so low power but yet be so effective? And I told him that the systems I design are are designed specifically to induce electric fields that are recognizable by the body. Hmm. And yes, these electrical fields are known to be created. Like for example, uh, in the fetus, you know, developing fetus in utero, there are electrical nerve pulses that are that cause the musculature to contract and it turns out these pulses are essential to the growth and development of the musculoskeletal system if you stop those pulses the musculoskeletal system cannot grow and develop so the systems that i've built are specifically at least one of the modes several of the modes are made specifically to emulate those kinds of pulses right fast Mm -hmm. twitch and slow twitch muscle during development in utero and the assumption that i've made and this is only a working hypothesis because i haven't been able to prove it yet but it's that the body mammalian tissue recognizes that type of induced electric field as a signal for growth and development and therefore when you apply those fields whether they're endogenous from the body or whether they're exogenous applied by a magnetic pulse either way the body sees the same resulting you know um, mm-hmm. induced electric fields and responds to them with growth and development which means not inflammatory response so it'll tend to dial down an inflammatory response it will dial up a developmental growth response and this is precisely what we saw in the original data that we took at nasa where we were looking at normal human neuronal precursor cells and HNP cells mm. in culture. Oh. All of the apoptotic signals were downregulated. And for, for many hundreds of, of genes, the uh, cells for creating ECM for growth and development, uh, the genes were upregulated. And, and not just onesie, twosie, but some of them were, you know, in, in, increased by, by like many logs you know, of, uh, um, you know, tens, tens of times uh, impro- increase in their uh, gene expression. And it was for whole families of, of cells, re- of genes related to growth and development and not just one or two random ones. And we saw this over and over again. So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And, and so my working hypothesis for a long time now has been that if you can use magnetic pulses to induce electric fields that are recognized by the body as being a signal of growth, health, and development, then the body will respond with a condition of growth and health and development. And that's what I think is happening with PMF. So it's not that you're forcing it to be that way. You're simply sending right. a signal and your body's responding normally. Yeah, like the the body doesn't really tell the difference where the signal yeah. is where the signal is coming from. It already interprets the signal and uh, acts mm-hmm. accordingly. Right. So, right, right. Precisely. So to the extent that I use very low energy 
to emulate those signals and I get rid of all of the other energy. I've taken out all the other sources of energy from the signal that I can and I, I make it so that it only induces electrical signals that emulate those kinds of growth and development signals. The amount of power that you need goes way down, but the biological effect actually just stays the same or gets better and better, you know, mm -hmm. as you get more and more focused in on that. So as a working hypothesis, it, it seems to have pointed the technology in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned that it, um affects inflammation in a positive way and also accelerates wound healing so what i would imagine like like anything related to like joint pain arthritis or uh, i don't know some other injury would uh, benefit uh, from pmf well i think so um you know a lot of people think that the best thing to do is to run a very controlled scientific experiment where every subject you know every specimen sample that you're testing is exactly the same. And if you're trying to determine an underlying mechanism, like which molecule does what, where, that's, that's the kind of experiment you want to run. But I think for things like PEMF, the experiment you want to run is anybody with pain of any kind who walks in the door and tries PEMF, does it work for them? And we've actually done sort of survey you know, retrospective experiments like that. And you can, you can go to, uh, we have a journal called the journal of science and medicine.org, J O S A M.org, where we report some of these, uh, some of these surveys and some of these, um, some of the science. And we actually had, uh, the nursing school at Florida Atlantic university did a study where they just surveyed a bunch of people who used it. And so to answer your question, you know, any sort of pain like that. Um, yeah, it seems to, about ninety, about ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of the time, it just seems to respond favorably. Hmm. Um, you know, whether it's a broken bone or uh, a lesion in the skin or any kind of orthopedic injury, um, the amount of pain is dramatically reduced, and the healing time is cut by you know a half to two thirds. Hmm. That's just what that's just what we see over and over and over again. There's a certain percentage of people who don't respond as, as quickly. So I, I find this very hard to believe myself. Okay. So now the skeptical scientist is coming out. So I've done my own surveys. And when I survey people using my own, you know, criteria for what works and what doesn't, which are pretty skeptical and pretty, pretty, uh, you know, pretty high level for the bar. Does it work or not? I get about 93 and a half percent of people. So about 13 out of every four, yeah, about roughly 13 out of, every 14 people will say, you know, yes, there was a really significant reduction in pain and yes, there was a return of function, but you know, we can't directly measure pain. All mm -hmm. we can do is, is, you know, people will tell you they can, but we don't, we don't have a painometer. We have to, we have to, you know, have to make indirect measures physiologically like uh, HRV is one of those indirect measures that can help you get at pain. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when you when you do the best you can, when you really try to talk to people, you know, did the quality of your life improve? Did you did your function? You know, was there a restoration of function? We find that for almost every type of pain, PMF is it seems to be very very helpful. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly like the pain is very subjective and. Uh, oh, it's totally subjective, yeah. right? But I mean, it can destroy your life for sure. And it's yeah. also just just so that the the listeners understand. Chronic pain is the, the single largest medical condition among humans on earth. 
if you take all the people with chronic pain, that's roughly equivalent to the number of everyone who has stroke, everyone who has cardiovascular disease, plus everyone who has diabetes. Um, yeah, cardiovascular disease, stroke, diabetes, AIDS, and uh, the next one, I'm trying to remember what it was. But uh, take all those together and you multiply by two, and that's roughly the number of people who have chronic pain. Hmm. So chronic hmm. pain's the big one, bigger than, than everything else combined. Um, medically yeah, everyone, speaking. everyone also has inflammation. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's where the pain's coming from. Right. So, so you can have a condition and very often it will be associated with pain, you know? Um, and, and, and everybody has these inflammatory conditions, as you say. So many, many people end up developing chronic pain conditions that are just not treatable by mainstream methods. So you end up with people out of desperation uh, looking for some solution. So the, I guess the interesting story here about this is that I had done this work for NASA in the 1990s, and then I really hurt my back as a, as a firefighter, believe it or not. And um, I had always had back problems, but then, you know, this is about uh, 2006, I had a really bad back injury and nothing was helping. And, you know, I was turned away even by medical mainstream medicine, you know, as I was a drug seeker, right? They're like, well, this guy's just trying to get opioids. Well, I was trying to get relief from my pain, right? And opioids didn't really do it, but they were more effective than anything else they had to offer me. So just out of desperation, I literally took one of these coils that I had developed for uh, a company that was licensing the technology from NASA to, to build biomolecules in a reactor. And I strapped it to my back. And 14 minutes later, the pain just vanished. Wow. And, and so I was like, whoa, that is the strange, that was the most amazing thing I had ever experienced. I had, was not in pain for the first time in, in, in a long time. And so then I stopped using it and the pain came back after a day or two. And then I started using it again. And the pain went away. And, you know, so, so it's gotten to the point where, you know, the damage to my back is so severe that without PEMF, I cannot walk. After two or three days without PEMF, I can't walk anymore. And, and wow. the pain is just unbearable. So I'm an obligate user of PEMF. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that I understand everything about it. That doesn't mean that I have a mastery of it. But I do have to make it work. I've got a dog in the fight, as we say here in the southern United States. You know, I got a dog in the fight. And if it doesn't work, I'm in trouble. So, so what I'm trying to do is make it work efficiently, effectively, safely, if I can, and then make it affordable and, and accessible to people who have the same problem. Because most people, I think, suffer in silence. They can't do anything about it. They yeah. just sit there and hope they can get some pain meds. And and we know that that's not a small number of people. It's it's mm. tens of millions of people in the United States alone. Mm. Around the world, it's, you know, it's even yeah. more. Yes, so, like a... Uh, eventually you're going to get used to the pain and then you think it's like normal. It's like the normal state to be in. And, uh, well, yeah, it becomes, it becomes the state where it just becomes a, a normally accepted aspect of growing old. Right. But many of my friends like, uh, you know, and, and friends and neighbors, and I've, I've gotten messages from about five or 6,000 people saying, Oh my God, you know, this really, this really saved, saved my life, which I don't, you know, I, I don't know if that's true, but, they'll tell me it has this huge impact on their life. And like my neighbor, she came over a couple of months ago and she's like, you know, you know, she, she just mentioned that uh, she couldn't lift her left arm up anymore. 
She's like, I guess I'm getting old and I just have to get used to this. Well, it's like you said, you know, people just accept this, right? And I said, well, no, I don't know if you have to accept that. She's like, well, it's too painful and they can't give me powerful enough pain medications to turn the pain off, which is, by the way, if you let me talk about that, I'll tell you, that's the worst thing you can do um, is to shut the pain signal off. But anyway, I, I gave her a PEMF device. And she came back like two days later and she said, wow, I, I, I can use my left arm again. I can reach up and grab cereal off the shelf, you know? <laughs> so she had, she was about 65 and she just accepted, you know, like you were saying, just accepted this intolerable pain as just a normal part of aging. Right. I don't think that necessarily has to be true. Yeah. But, you know, the way that mainstream medicine has dealt with it up till now has been, oh, block the pain as if it's a spurious signal right? It shouldn't be there. So we want to block that signal. Well, I, th I think a pain signal is like a fire alarm yeah. and you should never ignore it. I mean, I asked my five-year-old daughter, when she was five, she's nine now, but I asked her, I said, you know, when you're in school, what do you do when you hear a fire alarm? Do you get up and leave the building or do you, do you uh, try to put the fire out or, you know, or do you ignore it? <laughs> do you put earplugs in? And what mainstream medicine has been telling everybody to do for 210 years now is put earplugs in. Yeah. As if it's not an important signal. You know, if you happen to be able to do something about it, like, you know, like I could do something about a fire in a building because I'm a firefighter. I could, then you can try to put it out. What you need to do is you need to quench the, the pain at the source. And it seems to be related to uncontrolled inflammatory response in some tissue somewhere. If you shut the pain signal off, all you're doing is you're doing the same activities that were causing the damage in the first place, so you make it worse. Mm -hmm. And this is why we have hundreds of millions of people in chronic pain. Right. Because we what, shut the pain signal off and yeah. ignore it. What about uh, like other applications? Uh, I've also heard that it helps with uh, the brain and like uh, brain injury. Well, we did a study on that, and there seems to be a lot of truth to the fact that there's an inflammatory uh, problem with the brain in, in traumatic brain injury, so among young people. And we were able to take um, – we did a study on eight people. This is published on josam.org. We did a study of eight people who had various levels of traumatic brain injury that had completely not responded to any other form of treatment. And we were able to bring all eight of them back to normal cognitive function within two months or so of PMF. Hmm. So the studies that we've done, the small amount of data that's out there indicates that it strongly suggests that PMF would be helpful. Uh, for dealing with uh, with traumatic brain injury. So that's sort of like brain injury among the young and, and healthy and athletic principally, right? But what, what about uh, the brain injuries of, of neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's disease? And now there's growing awareness among neurophysiologists that that might also be an inflammatory related condition. Yeah. yeah and I can tell you a number of people have used PMF for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, and they've gotten remarkable results. I have never been able to run a study directly on that myself, but uh, I've, I've had uh, half a dozen people tell me that, that the results have been nothing short of miraculous, and I'd love to see it myself. So I, I remain skeptical until I have seen it and repeated it, repeated it again. Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, if I, if I had the resources to, to do studies on it, I certainly would. And I think it's probably related to, the, to a, some pathological, um, you know, cerebral inflammatory condition that's damaging to nerve function. And when you reduce that inflammation, you get restored nerve function. We see the same thing with peripheral nerve disease, you know, whether it's incontinence or a compartment syndrome, 
you know, um, uh, uh, fibromyalgia or something like that, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, if you reduce the inflammation, all of a sudden, you know, you get function back and the pain goes away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. Like, because like the neurons or the brain itself is like a, like electrical conduit or you. Well, let, let me tell you something interesting about nerves, right? Nerves are extremely sensitive to external pressure. So external, like what's called a, a, a hoop stress. So if you can imagine a nerve like a long hose, right? If you put a ring around it and you compress that ring at one point along the long hose, the axon, it actually really interferes with the axonal transport of fluids inside the nerve axon. So that can kill the part of a nerve that's distal, you know, that's, that's away from the body of the nerve. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, like a point pressure on a nerve is, is quite damaging to it. So if you have local focal inflammation it would be expected to cause a certain amount of nerve dysfunction but people who've had everything from incontinence to you know peripheral nerve problems in the hands and feet um who've tried pemf oftentimes they get relief within within a uh, a day or two and sometimes it takes longer sometimes it takes two or three weeks but nerves regenerate very slowly so keep that in mind so you might you might get like a millimeter a day of nerve regeneration, roughly speaking, under really good conditions. But you'll get these PEMF salesmen saying, oh, it regenerates nerves. Well, I don't think so. I mean, you can't regenerate, you know, half a meter length of nerve down your leg to your foot in a day. It doesn't do anything miraculous like that. But if you relieve the inflammatory mediated focal pressure on the axon, it can restore otherwise disrupted neuronal flow in a day or two. And that's probably what's happening because that's what we're seeing. So I don't think that PMF miraculously regenerates nerves. I think what it does is it uh, uh, in a wonderful sort of way reduces pathological pathologic inflammation and allows the nerves to function normally. The nerves are already there. They just need to stop being choked off. Right. And you know, that's, that's, that's my explanation. It's my working hypothesis for it, but that, that fits the data that we see. Mm -hmm. And uh, would it uh, affect uh, headaches, for example, or migraines? Well, this is the other thing. I mean, you know, um, some things respond, like orthopedic injury and pain, I think it responds about 93% of the time. The study in Florida nursing school says 98 or 99% of the time. But when we, <clears throat> when we ask people with migraine who've used it, we get about a 50% positive response. So some people have um, <clears throat> have a positive response and some don't. And it may be that migraine is due to a number of factors, right? Some people are using the device properly and some people aren't. Some people have uh, inflammatory mediated migraines and some don't, right? So about half the time when people try it for migraine, they tell me that it's, uh, they report that it's, it's very effective for them. And some people say they just keep the device on them in their purse or whatever. And if they feel like a migraine event, you know, building up, they just use the device and it quenches it right away. That's what some people say. Other people say, oh, it doesn't help them at all. I mean, that's, and that's just the way that it is. So anytime you get anything medically where people say, you know, this one thing works all the time, every time for everyone, uh, that's, that's gotta be a lie because right. people are too variable. Yeah. Uh, so how would you uh, like, what is a, 
let's say, how do people could use BMF? Like, how, what kind of devices can they use? Uh, when? Well, uh, how often? And that sort of thing. This is this is the big uh, this is the big uh, debate on PEMF, right? So a lot of PEMF salespeople want to sell you a ten or twenty or forty thousand dollar device. That's what they call a whole body device, which of course it isn't. It's just that PEMF has effects locally that are beneficial broadly in the body. That's why it feels like it's whole body device, but it's not. You can prove it you know, mathematically, but, um, so there's an argument that you should use a large device, you know, two to three times a week for 20 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes. Well, what that really is, is that fits perfectly into a clinical schedule so that they can rotate people through their PEMF facility three or four times an hour and they don't have to work on weekends. Right. (laughs) So, so, so any, any sort of recommendation for PEMF use that seems to work really well with a clinical schedule, that's what they're trying to sell you is their clinical schedule. It's not necessarily what's best for you. I think the other, well, the other philosophy on PEMF is that you simply use it a little bit at low intensity for a longer period of time every day. Um, And so what I've been trying to do is say, well, if a person had PEMF on them and they didn't have to drive into a, a clinic somewhere to use it, you could get the same dosage, but spread out over a longer period of time you're taking it more frequently for a longer period of time. And I think that that actually works better. And I think that the data are pretty clear on that, that in most cases, you know, if you think about it this way, during and for a while after the use of PEMF, you have suppressed inflammation. So you want to have the suppressed state of inflammation as frequently and as long as possible to Mm -hmm. maximize healing. So what you really want are more frequent longer duration, lower intensity applications of PEMF. So my working theory on, on, on the use of this would be low amplitude personal PEMF, something you can carry around with you, something that you could wear or use every day mm-hmm. would be more effective. And for many people, that turns out to be more effective. However, I have to admit, when I, when I do a survey of, of a few thousand doctors who actually use PEMF in their clinic, I've done, I've done this survey. Um, most of them think that the, if they've tried both, they think the best outcome is for both. If you right. have a large device that you use a few times in the clinic and you follow that up with daily use of a smaller device for a long period of time, you get the best clinical outcomes. Hmm. And any, almost any clinician who's tried the combination of the two will say that that combination is best. Right. Uh, what's what is the like main difference between the small and the big one? Like is the well, energy, the small energy. ones, uh, physically, the small ones are you know the size of about a deck of cards, and the coils are about forty or fifty millimeters in diameter. And everybody says, "Well, can't you make the coils bigger?" Well, I mean, acupuncture works really well. Does that mean you want to have a really large whole body <laughs> acupuncture needle? Right. Right. No, you don't need a needle that's the size of a telephone pole. <laughs> Some things need to be focal, not not distributed over your whole body. So PEMF, in my opinion, is more like acupuncture and less like a tanning booth. Hmm. It's not something you have to have over your, the, your entire body. It's something you, you should focus where it's needed. And, <clears throat> but, you know, opinions vary on this, and I could be wrong. Right. Um, so larger systems, they claim to be whole body systems, but that's, that's 100% marketing. There's no physical truth to that. Um, if you could make a whole body PEMF system, then they would just make whole body MRI systems for hospitals and they would just 
you know, you wouldn't even have to get in them. You would just lie down on a little mat and they would image your whole body, but they can't do that. It just doesn't, the physics doesn't work that way. Um, you know, so what they're doing is they're treating an area that's maybe, you know, uh, the size of a basketball or, you know, maybe at most a half a meter or something um, around. And, um, and it, that causes a beneficial effect for your, for your entire body. Just that the reduction, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're very effectively reducing inflammation at one focal point, that could plausibly reduce the inflammation in your entire body. For example, most people, when they reach the age of 30 to 40, they will tell you, you know, I used to bounce back from injuries, but then I got a knee injury or shoulder injury or a back injury, whatever it was, and it just never went away. So that can be viewed as a focal point for inflammation. And then they will tell you, yeah, you know, I sort of had to nurse the thing along for 10 or 15 or 20 years, but now my whole body hurts. Well, what I think is happening is there's a focal injury that's causing an inflammatory response that eventually creeps into your whole body. So what happens is if you treat the inflammatory source, the inflammatory beacon at one point, what you can see is a reduction in the inflammatory state in the rest of the body will follow. Yeah. And, and I've talked to about 150 or 160 doctors who've tried this specifically clinically and every one of them agrees. Yeah. You know, if you treat the original um, source of the injury, the, the other problems seem to start going away. Yeah. Because the body is very in interconnected and uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know I mean, if, even a toothache can cause like, uh, serious problems that like that's you. precisely correct if you have a toothache that doesn't mean that you need to have a massage on your kneecaps right i mean you want to you want to initially you want to go right in and take care of the source of the problem and this seems to be the case with pmf so my approach has been focus on the initial injury to the extent you can because everybody has a story and i'll tell you oh yeah i was playing volleyball and i broke my you know anterior cruciate ligament or something like that. Mm. But focus on that initial source of the injury, which I think is causing this persistent pro-inflammatory beacon in the body. And then when then all that's required to do that is a small, portable, very low energy PEMF system. So you're getting very small dose of energy, but a very, very large overall effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, what about uh, sleep? How does it affect sleep? Sleep? Yeah. Um, that's another one of those that's highly variable. Um, some people say it's very helpful. Some people will use it on a source of pain or inflammation, and then it promptly puts them to sleep because it relaxes them so much. Other people, it sort of invigorates them. It, 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 people's very response to this is highly variable. Some people say that PEMF really helps them achieve and maintain deep sleep, and other people uh, don't. And I don't. I don't personally see a pattern of use that would indicate to me that some people are using it right or some people are using it wrong. I actually think it's, it's down to individual variability where some people simply have a response that in, includes better sleep and other people don't, mm -hmm. but it definitely seems to affect people's sleep sometimes. Right. Is there at any, least half the time. Are yeah. there any are there any devices or some mode that could you use during sleep or well that's the funny thing right so my one of my devices called an M1 it's got like thirty different uh, pulse patterns you can pick from and and some of them are designed specifically to induce to entrain brain waves right so three of them are like 
alpha, delta waves, theta waves, and alpha wave, okay? Three different settings you can use. Um, I'm sorry, delta, um, yeah, uh, delta, theta, and alpha waves are, are the ones that are most popular anyway. So a lot of people will tell me, you know, well, I use it to enhance sleep. And I was actually at a meeting one time where three people were standing in line to tell me how they had used it to help their sleep. And they had all found the best effect from different settings. And they actually started arguing about it right in front of me. One of them said, no, Delta Wave is the one you have to use. That's the only one that works. And this other woman said, no, it's got to be Theta Wave. That's the one that works. And then this other woman said, no, I tried both of those. That doesn't work. It's got to be Alpha Wave. And, they, and, and all of them, I think, were right for themselves as individuals. But what they did not completely appreciate is that they were responding as individuals. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is one of those things where, you know, um, I mean, like, I don't know about you, but caffeine puts me to sleep. You know, when I take uh, a small amount of caffeine before bed, I, I sleep better. But I certainly know that most people don't respond that way. Um, but but I do. And, and I think that's true for PEMF, too. You know, you get, you get highly individual responses. Hmm. Yeah, like every, well, even like sensitivity to like EMF in general uh, also mm-hmm. varies. Like some people are, you know, they can't sleep if they are next to like a Wi-Fi router. Uh, but you know there are many people who can just you know sleep with a cell cell phone uh, right under the pillow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I you know I I totally understand that. I totally you know even though we don't understand why that's necessarily true, um, there's clearly a very wide range of of sensitivity to EMF, and that's one of the reasons I designed the system the way that I have. It uh, you know is very very low. Power. It's you know it's 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 a system that you know there's there's all kinds of you know biological variability. Like a lot of people had used our system on horses, and you're thinking a horse is a huge animal. How could these little tiny systems do anything? You must have it cranked up all the way. Well, it turns out that horses are extremely sensitive to electromagnetic fields, and in order to get really good effects with horses and PEMF, you really want to use very very low intensity. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, and uh, much lower than you'd use on a cat or dog or a human. Yeah. And yes, um, uh, I, I asked an equine acupuncture about that a couple of times. You know, I asked them, I mean, why do you suppose horses are so sensitive? And, and one woman answered me. She said, well, what else do you use it on? Cats, dogs, humans. She said, well, cats, dogs, and humans are all predators, mm. right? Horses are prey animals, and so they have evolved to become much more sensitive. Yeah. And, yeah, so- you know, that to me that makes sense you know that that's that's a logical way of looking at it but i can tell you horses are very sensitive to pemf and takes very little energy and and we can have huge effects you know like swelling in a horse that you could see from 10 meters away you go whoa that horse is really screwed up you know that can be reduced quite quickly with a very small device that's you know 40 millimeter diameter placed in the right spot yeah can 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 attenuate that in just a matter of minutes so it's it's remarkable. I mean, the biological variability among humans is is no less astonishing. I mean, some people respond remarkably well to very low power. In fact, the number one piece of advice that I have to give people when they try to use our device and they, they say it's not working, it's not working, or it makes it worse, it makes it worse. I keep telling them, turn it down, turn down the energy. And people are like, no, I need more power. Can you make it yeah. bigger, more powerful? Can can you make it so that it'll dim the lights on my neighborhood block? No. <laughs> Try turning it down. And yeah. I would say approximately 
approximately 100% of the time when people are not getting an effect from a, a proper PEMF, almost 100% of the time. If they, can, if they can just let go of the idea that more is better, if they just try using less, they actually get a better response. Yeah. And yeah, that's true to like many other things as like, you know, oh, caffeine, totally. caffeine or exercise or the sauna or fasting or whatever it is. Like uh, sometimes a smaller amount can be more beneficial than just overdosing mm -hmm. it. Precisely. Precisely. I think, you know, a little bit of the right thing done the right way is much more effective. It can be. And, and PEMF is definitely like that. So right now there's this, you know, tendency among marketers to, you know, bigger and better and more powerful. And I, I think that trend is, uh, is headed in the wrong direction. What you want is smaller, lighter, more efficient, more, more effective that way. Yeah. And, and every single time that I've ever actually had this conversation with anybody and they've actually tried it, they've actually said, Oh yeah, you're right. Mm. So uh, have you, have you uh, seen any uh, negative side effects to this? Uh, well, that's or... the amazing thing. That's probably the most unbelievable thing about PEMF. Like you can look in the scientific, let me, let me talk about it broadly, the scientific literature, even people in the scientific literature, which are very few, who try to prove that there's no effect, they will even, there's a couple of papers that even say, you know, even though there doesn't seem to be any benefit of PEMF, and this is only two or three papers, um, there doesn't seem to be any side effect. So even people who are against PEMF, they don't really have, you know, reliable evidence of, of negative effects. So you don't really see that in the, in the published scientific literature. Um, in, in smaller surveys with people, you can see, you know, it's a case of too much can be too much. Like some people get dizzy. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one person told me, oh, you know, I bought your system and I strapped it on my head and then I turned it to maximum power and then I went to sleep. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh God, you know, why would you do that? But some people do that. And, she, and then she said, I woke up and I was really dizzy. You know, what do I do now? And I said, well relax for the rest of the day and don't put it on your head and don't go to sleep with it, you know, on maximum power. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like saying, well, I've never used a cell phone before. So I'm going to buy 10 of them and I'm going to put them in a band and strap in my head and turn them all on and, and go to sleep. No, you know, don't do that kind of thing. So if you, if you, if you're a person who does extreme things like that, you can get a, the thing is that I've even surveyed, uh, physicians who treated many, many thousands of people with PEMF, and none of them said they had a permanent negative effect. Uh, several of them said they had mild temporary side effects from PEMF, but those always went away when you discontinued use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even that was a fairly small percentage of people. Most people say there's really, most people would tell you there's no, no negative effect. But I do think if you, if you go to the real extreme, you can get, um, negative effects yeah like you probably don't want to use it 24 7 well that's the thing i don't think you do um it's like anything else you don't want to be awake 24 7 but then you don't want to be asleep 24 7 either yeah, right yeah. i mean you know you want to go through cycles right yeah, just like you know sleep or insulin or or you know arousal anything you want to up and down and you know blood sugar everything needs to kind of cycle exactly and not be not be held at a high level all the time yeah. Uh, how do, how does NASA use these devices? Well, this is the thing. Um, contrary, so, so far as I know, contrary to the, uh, contrary to the PMF salesman, uh, NASA does not use them. NASA and most federal agencies 
really can't, especially the military, cannot use medical devices um, unless they're FDA approved for their use. So um, that's to prevent any of these uh, abuses that we saw in the 1940s and 50s with, you know, un untested medical devices being used on unsuspecting people. There were, there were many cases of that. Hmm. So NASA does not, you know, to say, oh, well, we have a device now that's, you know, used by NASA or we have a, uh, there's one company, I won't, I won't name them. They say they have a Space Act agreement with NASA. Well, a Space Act agreement means that you have signed a contract that allows you to sign more contracts with NASA. So if you wanted to sell toilet paper to NASA, <laughs> if you wanted to literally clean the toilets at NASA, you'd need a space act agreement to do that as a right. private contractor. So, so, so that kind of stuff should not impress you. Um, NASA doesn't hook PEMF to, um, to, um, to people to, to prevent uh, muscle and bone loss. I actually know because I hold uh, rights to the patent for that, um, for, for the galaxy, you know, for, for solar system wide use of that. I actually have the rights to that, but they, that's not what they use it for. Um, they don't, it's not built in to replicate, you know, the earth mother goddess frequency to prevent uh, degeneration of tissues. That's an urban myth that was propagated by a person who's now in jail. Actually, he's in jail in Chicago for murdering three people, believe it or not. He's a very bad person, but he had about 10 or 15 years ago, he had a number of, of webinars and stuff trying to sell PEMF by claiming that it was used by NASA, that, you know, that it, it relinks you to the magnetic frequencies of the earth, but NASA does not use it for that reason. Um, they, they don't build it into their spacesuits. They don't build it into their spaceships. It was, it was developed by me earlier at NASA in the mid 1990s to be used as a, as part of an experiment in, in the mid deck lockers of the space shuttle to grow cells. And, and it's, and, you know, and for a while I'll, I'll say this um, about, Oh, I guess about seven or eight years ago, I had a guy um, got onto one of my uh, YouTube things and, and he was really abusive. He said, you know, basically he said, I'm an idiot and I should know, you know, if I knew anything, I would know that NASA has published 2000 papers on PEMF and all the things they do with it. And so I said, okay, well, um, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, NASA has all this proof that it reestablishes the, you know, the fundamental frequencies of the earth and everything. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm good for it. I will give anybody a million dollars if they can provide one paper from NASA, just one, just send me a link, send me the paper, I'll send you a million dollars. I'm good for it. Trust me. Uh, if you can just show me that NASA has proven that PMF reestablishes, you know, some, some earth frequency that prevents the uh, inexorable degeneration of, of tissues. And, and there is no such paper. One guy drove down to my home from Toronto and he brought three papers with him and he's like, here they are, here they are. But he hadn't bothered to read the papers. So I sat there very nicely and I went through the papers with him. There were three papers from the 1960s where they had tested uh, um, the effects of sunlight on, on the human circadian rhythm in deep minds. And, and those papers circulate on the internet too now as proof because one of the sentences in, in one or two of those papers is that they had put people into a Faraday cage and they thought that it was a possibility without presenting any data to prove it, there was a possibility that if you separate people from the magnetic field of the earth, that might also screw up their circadian rhythm. So people have used that as proof. I no longer offer a million bucks because I'm just not interested in 
doing that anymore. But, you know, for several years, I was just waiting for somebody to, to, to bring a paper to me and show me. And the fact is that it's a huge urban myth. NASA does not use this for that reason. There is not proof that, you know, there's a, there's a fundamental, you know, Schumann frequency that reattaches you with the earth. This is, this is all, so far as I can tell, this is all marketing fraud. And uh, on the other hand, um, most PMF systems that are marketed today really seem to have biological benefit. But we just, the honest answer is we just don't know why. Mm. And um, if people would be honest about that, then, then, then we could start maybe having people enjoy the benefits of it. But any reasonably skeptical person, any, any reasonable person would see the amount of fraud in, in PEMF and just discount it wholesale as a, as a really bad field. Because probably 95% of what you could read about PEMF on the internet is just marketing fraud. And so that's what I've been fighting against. Um, NASA, basically, I, I stopped working with NASA about 12 or 14 years ago when I started doing this privately. I did some research with NASA, and then later on I did some research funded by DARPA with NASA. And then I've been funding it myself the rest of the time. And so, so far as I know, NASA has not really done a lot more work in this area, and they certainly don't use it um, on their on their astronauts because it's not FDA approved for any of those uses. Okay. So yeah, be, be you know be be very skeptical. I mean, I could be wrong, <laughs> right? So be very skeptical when you see that kind of stuff. Right. Well, who knows? You know, behind closed doors, they <laughs> may do something. Well, you never know. On the other hand, I know several astronauts and I talk to them and they're like, Bob, don't you really think this stuff is BS? And I'm like, well, no, no, the data is pretty strong. And then they'll look at the data and they'll say, yeah, well, you know, but a lot of, a lot of astronauts that I know are very skeptical about it still. So I don't think they're even using it behind closed doors because, you know, one of the astronauts that I know pretty well is an MD. And, and by the way, I know another guy who was in charge of uh, medical, uh, of, uh, basically medical care of, of the astronauts. So for the astronaut office at, at, uh, um, in uh, Houston, Texas at Johnson space center. And, uh, I was saying these same things I'm saying to you about how it's really not used for that purpose. And, and this guy stood up and he's a medical doctor. He's in private practice now, but he stood up and started clapping right at the end of my talk. And he goes, boy, that's the first time anybody's told the truth about, about how NASA has used this in the last, you know, 20 years that he's heard. And this was about two years ago at maybe three years ago at a medical conference. And he was saying that, yeah, you know, he was the medical director for the astronaut um, office at, at, in, uh, in Johnson space center. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, we never used it for any of those kinds of things that people keep claiming. And we didn't do any of those experiments. So there's a huge, huge amount of fraud. And that really puts people I think one of the first things we need to do in the whole field of PMF is, is just start looking at the data. The data speaks for itself. It, it PMF can have tremendously beneficial biological effects without having any really serious clinical side effects. That piece of information by itself should be enough because we really don't know how aspirin necessarily works. We know some of its mechanisms, but we don't know how it works. And, and that's accepted widely by people. Uh, mm-hmm. PMF is, is at least as useful as aspirin. Um, and, uh, but the problem is it's surrounded by so much myth and, and fraud that most reasonable people just have to discount it. They're like, none of, none of that nonsense is true. It's demonstrably false. Some of the stories that circulate around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh... Like um, 
yeah, like you do have to hold your, uh, let's say, integrity intact when you are uh, in this sort of a field where like there is no real uh, consensus to how it works or what are the benefits, etc. So it's like an ever-evolving field and it's very easy to just... Um, yeah, lose your integrity, so to say. I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree. I think integrity is is the number one thing, and you've got to be honest about it. I mean, you know, and, and there's things you can really honestly say about PMF that are are so remarkable that they stretch, you know, they 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 stretch my my ability to believe it. I mean, you know, I mean, it shouldn't work as well as it does on so many different things, and yet it does. When you look at it. You, you look at real data and you, and you talk to real people and, they, and you look at real case studies, it does have these wonderful effects. The fact is we don't really understand why it necessarily works and, and it's not linked to something magical and it's not, um, I'm, I'm pretty confident, it's not being used overtly or secretly by, by NASA for, for okay. use on humans. Right. Um, they're just too responsible for that kind of thing. NASA could not afford the negative prop PR of, of using uh, technology, unproven technologies on, on their astronauts. They couldn't afford that. I mean, they're, they're constantly walking this very tight rope of just barely, you know, getting enough, you know, popular support in the United States to remain funded. I mean, they certainly couldn't, couldn't afford to, uh, to, to make a mistake like that. And most of the people I know at NASA are pretty high integrity people. Anyway, they wouldn't put anybody at risk unless they knew, for sure that something worked. So, you know, I mean, I mean, it's totally unnecessary. It would be like saying, you know, pick your, uh, pick your, your favorite thing, like, like near infrared, you know, say just something, something random that we know is, is beneficial, right? I mean, near mm-hmm. infrared is beneficial, but if you got onto a, a podium and you started screaming, it will, it will make you live forever. And, you know, we'll expand, you will do all these things that doesn't do. Um, then you start to undermine the credibility of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 um, it and that's what people have been doing in PEMF is they've been undermining the the credibility and, and the integrity of the field. And so, what you find is that among scientists, most are very very reluctant to study PEMF because by association you will get stigmatized. Right. Because no legitimate scientists want to be stigmatized by association with a bunch of you know. A low integrity, you know, charlatans and 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 quacks and wackos. So I actually talked one of my colleagues into working with me on on this uh, for studying diabetes, which is an autoimmune disorder, right? Type one diabetes, in which your body rejects through its autoimmune system, it rejects its own insulin producing cells, islet cells in the pancreas. And that's called insulitis. So you're basically become allergic to your own insulin producing cells and your own insulin when you're young, right? For a short period. And the idea is if you can, if you can suppress that for long enough, that autoimmune response, could you maybe prevent type one diabetes? And this, and this colleague of mine, he was very, you know, three years ago, he was very, very reluctant to do the research um, even though he, he needed to do more research and we needed to do, you know, needed to get funding and stuff like that. He, he was reluctant to do it just simply because the field was so questionable. And I told him, I said, well, we can secretly do this. And then when you see that, you know, I will pay for it. And then when you see the data yourself, you can decide whether or not you want to go public with it. So, you know, recently he's telling me, wow, you know, all these wonderful beneficial 
effects and changes in the um, you know immune response that they're starting to see using PEMF in mice, you know he is now very interested in it. But it took me several years to get him just simply to entertain the thought that PEMF might have a biological effect in light of the low integrity of so many people in the field. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's very, very damaging. That's why, that's why I make such strong statements about it. It's very damaging. Most of the things that PEMF marketers will tell you is, are very damaging to the whole field, but they're doing it. They're looking at individual sales. You know, gee, if I can right. get this one gullible person to believe my pseudoscience, maybe I can cash another check for five or 10 or $20,000. They will, they will take that, but then they, then they don't, they don't, none of them, frankly, are intelligent enough to grasp the fact that every time they make a sale like that, they forego 10 or maybe 100 more sales of a technology that's really quite promising because they've undermined the integrity of it. Hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, people just have to maybe try it out, uh, do some of their own experiments and do their own research. And uh, yeah, I think just, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I think it does. And to do that, people need to be assured that it's, you know, it's relatively safe and it's not going to hurt them and it's relatively affordable. So it's not going to break the bank. And if it's affordable and safe, people are willing to, you know, especially if they have something like chronic pain that you can't treat any other way, people mm. are willing to try things if it's relatively safe and relatively affordable. Um, you know, there are many people, you know, the vast majority of people I find are quite reasonable mm. and they're, you know, and, and you just, they just need to hear something that's not a lie, something that's mostly truthful and honest, and, and they're willing to try things. And those are the people who, who try the technology that I'm developing because, I mean, I, I'm using it right now. I use it every day. It helps me, you know, to reduce my pain from, you know, a solid 10 to the point where I was not able to move to, to, to a, right now a zero, um, whereas a pretty high dosage of opioids would bring it from 10 to maybe a five or a six. So for me, it's immensely effective. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, I just like to share that. And not everybody gets that much benefit, but some people get, get that much benefit and some get more, I guess. Um, you know, for me, it, it's not a permanent fix, but for about 80% of the people who use PMF early after an injury or, or early enough after, after something that's become chronic, uh, the problem can go away and, and not come back. And that's actually one of the most amazing things about PMF is, is for some chronic pain conditions, if you use PMF the right way, it seems to me from what I'm seeing about 80% of the time, the problem just goes away and, and it doesn't require continued treatment. Hmm. Well, that's, that, to me, that's, that's astonishing. That's just astonishing. And I, I just saying it to you, I, you know, I've got this part of my brain saying, stop it, stop it. You can't prove that, <laughs> you know, and I can't prove it right now, but it could be proven if, 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 if it were possible to run a long enough experiment, you know, you'd have to go out five, six years on people to make sure, you know, but, but most studies of PMF, you know, they terminate after, you know, six weeks or three weeks or something like that. Hmm. So, so these things are very, very difficult to prove, but you know, in many, many individuals, hundreds, probably thousands at this point have told me the same thing that, you know, they, they get the same, they get the same kind of outcome. And so, you know, the only way we'll know is if we have large numbers of people trying it and the only way to get that done is to make it affordable and safe and be honest about it. Yeah. So uh, where can people, learn more about you and uh, your work well you. they can talk to me directly on our forum you can go to uh, fluxhealth.co f-l-u-x-h-e-a-l-t-h 
Co, not .com. We have a forum there, and you can ask me anything you want. I'm happy to answer it. So if you go to Flux Health, um, you can check out the forum. Forum, And we also are going to have, we're having right now, setting up some studies for people with chronic pain and seeing if, uh, you know, they can tell us uh, the truth about how they're responding or not. And, and most people are having really pretty good benefit. Uh, also, we have a, a journal that we are publishing now called the Journal of Science and Medicine. J-O-S-A-M dot org. Um, and I publish there regularly. It's a peer-reviewed journal. It's, it's, it's got a persistent uh, links to it. So it's like a real medical journal. It's really listed. You can find it on like Google Scholar and things like that. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're publishing some things on various different experiments that we're doing. And, and I'm publishing some of the data that I had never published on PMF before. And, and in fact, this morning, I'm writing another paper on it. And so they can, you know, they, they can talk to me there. You can talk to other people who have used it on the forum. Um, you know, um, I've got maybe about 100 YouTube videos, <laughs> probably around 100 that where I talk about this. But a lot of it is busting the myths. You know, I mean, the, the truths about PEMF are so astonishing by themselves. I don't, I don't understand the need to lie about it. And yet there's plenty of people out there who will, you know, low integrity people who lie about it. But if you just look at the truth of it, you just look at, you know, what it does, you just look in the scientific literature, just go to the forum and listen to people talking about it. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. It's, it's remarkable how, how effective it is on so many things. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be big and powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear that it has helped your life. So, it kind of shows why you are so passionate about it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't really go on without it. So, I, I assume I'm not that much unlike other people. I mean, I have spinal problems that are quite severe compared to the average person, but that there's still got to be thousands or tens of tens of thousands of people in the same position I'm in. And, you know, if I can help some of them, that's, that's what I'd like to do. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to put all the links in the show notes as well. And okay. uh, my last question is, uh, what's this one piece of advice or a habit you wish you adopted sooner? Well, if I had adopted like one habit that's totally unrelated to PEMF, I think not directly related, I would have done intermittent fasting <laughs> my whole life. Um you know, when I was young, I would, uh, I would not, uh, eat every meal. Sometimes I would just not have a meal in a day. And I was very, very, very healthy. And I think that, you know, when I went to university, it, you know, you start being forced to this three meals a day kind of thing. So I, I would say the single best thing you can do to maintain your health and avoid metabolic disease and type two diabetes and all this kind of horrible stuff is to limit your, your sugar intake and, and, uh, and intermittent fast, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and high intensity, you know, interval training is also very good. Um, I would do those two things. I would have done those from as soon as I could have understood them. That's, that's the lifestyle I would have adopted it. That would be my advice as it relates to PEMF. Um, my goal is what I'm, this is what I'm trying to do for, I was telling my son about this yesterday. My son is 12 years old. I want to establish PEMF into the public firmly enough that it's available to people when they need it. Mm-hmm. So my, my thinking there is if I would have known when I first had my injury 
my serious back injury, I would have started using PEMF right then, but it wasn't available at the time. I had to sort of make it cost effective and portable and available, right? I couldn't afford a $50,000 piece of luggage that didn't really work that well, which is what was PEMF looked like 15 years ago. But um, I would have uh, started using it right away and I would not have used anything that was a pain blocker. So as my advice is, I guess it's my advice, is my opinion as it relates to PEMF is re if you're in a position where you feel like for a, an acute injury or for a chronic problem where you feel like you have to take some kind of pain medication, try PEMF instead because with PEMF, what you're doing is you're inducing tissue healing. You're stopping the pain at the source. I think most of the time, way more than 90% of the time. Whereas if you take anything that's blocking pain, what you're doing is you're, you're inducing your body to, to cause more pain and more damage hmm. over time. And that's why so many, that's why pain conditions tend to inexorably get worse and worse in your life as you get older. It's because you keep trying to ignore this real signal. And if you talk to medical doctors, they're like, oh yeah, we just need to shut off the pain. It's, they, they talk about it like it's spurious signal when it's not. Right. It's a real problem that needs to be addressed. And the problem is they don't know how to address these inflammatory conditions. So they just say, well, they can't see it uh, you know, on an MRI. So it's, it's not a broken bone, so it's not real. So they treat it like it's a signal you need to just switch off. Anytime, I would say anytime you see an advertisement on television or you hear from a doctor or anybody to switch off the pain, end quote, um, immediately start thinking, nope, that's the wrong <laughs> advice. Yeah. You know, you know, go in and try to fix. There's a real problem there your body's trying to tell you about. Start working on fixing it now. And I think PEMF is a wonderful way to do that because if you can reduce the inflammation enough, the body can start to heal naturally and the pain will um naturally resolve itself hmm. yes like a pain is a signal that is telling that something is wrong yeah i i think so it's it's your body's very very compelling signal that has been retained by the evolutionary process for the entire period that mammals have been evolving because it's so important that the body makes it so that it's virtually impossible to shut off it's so fundamental to your survival as a mammal to, to be able to get and respond to a pain signal that it's, it's the height of foolishness to think we can just switch it off. There's no, that, that means there's something really wrong and you need to deal with it. And one way of dealing with it is early as possible, start using PMF in very low intensity. And I think that if people, I would say, this is my opinion as a scientist, I would say if, if you could make it so that PMF were widely appreciated and widely available at low cost and people would start to use it about the same time they'd think about taking an aspirin for some pain i would i would estimate that 98 percent of unnecessary human suffering could be just stopped hmm. yeah probably 99 percent. that's right. roughly the numbers that i see right and, and, and it's 98 or 99% after people wait way too long and then start using PEMF as a last resort when nothing else works and all the damage has been done. You still see, you know, very high 90% success. So imagine what would happen if you use PEMF as a first resort. Oh, you got a little bit of a problem. You want to enhance the healing, get your tissue and everything back in balance. 
why not start with PEMF? Because there aren't really any known side effects. You know, well, in order to do this, you have to have an honest representation of high integrity, a reasonably safe product that's cost, you know, not not too outrageous cost-wise. It's got to be available that way. And that's my goal. My goal in life is to make that a reality. Awesome. Yeah, well, it's a good note to end the podcast with as well. And it was great talking with you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, some more research that's come out about this. And uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Sim. I appreciate the, the, the future invitation. Is, uh, the future is uh, bright, I believe. Yeah, I think I'll be publishing uh, about a paper once every month or so on our journal, JOSAM. The reason we have that journal, that's for several of us scientists got together. We were having trouble in the standard journals publishing things that needed to be published, but they were being blocked out. Mm. So our journal is a peer-reviewed journal. I've, I've actually had two of my papers uh, rejected. I had to rewrite them. So it's a really serious journal. Um, but you can publish things there that nobody else would want to publish. And one of those things is some of the truth about PMF. So you can go to our journal. I'll, I'll make sure you've got the link to it. And, um, you know, I'll be publishing about probably once a month for a long time on different things we do with PMF and what we're seeing. You know, hmm. the, nice. the effects are remarkable in, in a lot of biological systems. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's great talking with you. And uh, Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Let's stay in touch.